Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of the Referee the Tanker. Um, another action-packed pod. Results up and down, north and south of the border. Scottish uh, League Cup semi-finals in Scotland. Fixtures in the Scottish Premiership, as well as fixtures and results from down south. Plenty of talking points from the weekend. As always, VAR plays a heavy part in that. I'll let Michael take you through the results, and we'll take it from there. Cheers, Shan. So, on Tuesday night in the Scottish Premiership... We started with Hibs and Ross County. Ross County coming from 2-0 down to draw 2-2 at Easter Road. The Wednesday night scene wins for Celtic, who beat St Byrne 2-1 at Celtic Park. Hearts were 1-0 winners against Livingston. Aberdeen beat Motherwell 4-2 at Fur Park. St Johnston recorded their first win of the season, 2-1 at Midermott Park against Kilmarnock. And Rangers ran out comfortable 5-0 winners at Dens Park against Dundee. Um, with the League Cup semi-finals on, it was a shortened um, fixture list in the Scottish Premiership. On the Saturday, Celtic beat Ross County 3-0 up in Dingwall. Kilmarnock ran out 1-0 winners over Motherwell at Rugby Park. And on the Sunday, Dundee beat Livingston 1-0. The semi-final scores on the Saturday, we had Hibs against Aberdeen and it finished 1-0 to Aberdeen. And on the Sunday, Rangers ran out winners over Hearts 3-1. In the English Premiership, um, we had, on the Saturday, Man United beat Fulham. Brentford were 3-2 winners against West Ham. Crystal Palace won 2-0 at Turf Moor against Burnley. Everton and Brighton drew one apiece at Goodison. Man City came uh, won 6-1 against Bournemouth at the Etihad. Sheffield United recorded their first win of the season, beating Wolves 2-1 at home, and Newcastle beat Arsenal in the evening kick-off at St James's Park 1-0. The Sunday had two games with Nottingham Forest beating Villa 2-0, Luton and Liverpool drew one apiece, and tonight we have Tottenham against Chelsea um, at, I was going to say White Hart Lane, at the Tottenham Stadium. Tottenham now the only unbeaten team in the Premier League, having Arsenal losing 1-0 against Newcastle on the Saturday. Um, right, boys, before we go to the Scottish Cup semi-finals, I know you guys were at the, the Hibs one. What did you make of some of those results um, over the past week in Scotland and England? Marty, you got a couple of highlights? Uh, nothing from the midweek last week. Um Apart weekend, from Johnson, apart from this and Johnson too. Oh, I, 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 I said on the pod last week that it was a big game for St Johnson, and yeah. and they got the result. Just uh, just, 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 make sure this gets, just make sure this gets plenty of coverage, mate. Come on, exactly. Aye, aye. Uh, that was a good result for St Johnson. Uh, the weekend there, uh, Celtic comfortable. The red card helps, obviously. Kilmarnock another good result at home. Um, Dundee another good result for them. Uh, the semi finals. Where to start? <laughs> Rangers, I knew Rangers would win comfortable. Uh, Hibs should really have won the game. That two decisions go against them, and then we got caught out uh, on a breakaway goal, which is kind of typical Hibsy. But the two decisions that went against us were just uh, just wrong. It took five minutes to decide if Boyle was offside or not. If you took five minutes, then you're not sure. If you're not sure, then you have to, you have to give the goal, and we should have had a penalty. Exact same as what Rangers got yesterday. So. Decisions went against us, but we only got ourselves to blame for the goal we conceded. So, 
we should really be in the final, but because of ourselves and bad decisions, we're not, unfortunately. Uh, anything from the Premier League that caught your eye over the weekend? Oh, obviously United winning was was hat was uh, was good. Uh, they needed it. Um, better late than never. Uh, Man City were comfortable. Newcastle Arsenal was controversial to say the least. Good result for Newcastle in the end. Um, Sheffield United winning their first game of the season that will take a lot of pressure off them. Uh, good result for Forest on Sunday against Villa. Villa have been flying, but away from home they've not been that good. I've had some dodgy results away from home, and Luton a good result. 1-1, one, one. they were taking that at the start, but being one up in injury time, they're obviously a little bit disappointed not to win, but they would have taken the draw at the start, so a good result overall for Luton, I'd say. Sean, I think Marty's covered every single game there. Any particular highlights <laughs> for you? Um, no highlights. I think the, the Cup semi-finals um, had their own level of intrigue throughout. Um, obviously, being a Hibs fan, disappointed with the result, like Marty said, nobody really to blame but ourselves. The referee can only make so many decisions if you can take it out of his hands and Hibs should really have won that game but didn't not surprised disappointed but ultimately it's another defeat at Hamden that it shouldn't really have come to that uh, Rangers Hearts was an absolute formality from minute one and as soon as Rangers got given a penalty and take advantage of the penalty it was only going to end one way um, it was down south, I would say that it was good to see Luton getting a point against Liverpool. Um, thoroughly deserved. I thought they, they worked like absolute Trojans to get the result that they needed. Um, and I felt that as much as Liverpool had chances, I felt that this is the kind of game that Luton will give, give themselves some confidence from. And they'll hopefully go on and build to get themselves away from the drop zone. Um, yeah, there, there wasn't much. Like, it was I feel like a really busy weekend for when you're at a game, you feel like you, you don't often take your eyes to any other games so yeah the results spoke for themselves I didn't see many of the, the highlights seen the results um, great win for Brentford great goal from the boy from West Ham boy Kudus scored a great goal that was brilliant, mate. oh unbelievable um, but other than that it was it was alright yeah good weekend I also have to agree with uh, the boys on match of the day when uh, Lewis Dunk scored for Brighton and Hove Albion Ooh. If your centre back scores a goal like that, they shouldn't even look at offside. Yes, or given, yeah. Beautiful. It should just be given. What a goal. Unbelievable goal. Yeah. There's a few good goals over the weekend, actually. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, quick one. See uh, the, the Villa Forest game. And um, people giving Martinez pelters for the, the second goal. Do you think it's just unlucky or do you think she should have done better? What's your take on it? Should have done better. He's he's set such a high standard now that he is, um, well was was given the award as the best goalkeeper in the world. It's a save that I'd expect him to make, but I'd expect him to have made it safer in terms of pushing it either over the bar, not just up in the air, which then leads you to an awful lot of problems when it comes back into the ground and you're not positioned to to collect it. So, yeah, poor one from him, but it's very rare. So I'm not going to hold him against him. Yeah. Right, boys, well, we'll have a quick uh, scan over at the continent for Europe. Uh, we'll get your feedback on the leagues. Um, Shan, I'll come to you first. What's been happening in La Liga? Uh, before we touch base on the Liga, it was Copa del Rey action um, midweek. Um, first, uh, second round, sorry. There was a total of 55 games taking place over Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, there was two cancelled due to weather, so it was 53, sorry, 55. 
all the home, all the big teams in the La Liga were all away from home. I don't know why that's a thing in Copa del Rey. I think it's probably to give the smaller teams a chance at home. Although you kind of take away the romance when you they have to play at home as opposed to maybe going to the the new camp or the Bernabeu with that. So, but notable results. Everyone, nobody got knocked out. Hatafi scored twelve. Betis scored twelve, and Alaves scored ten. So. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> no shocks whatsoever. Nobody even went making La Liga. In terms of um, La Liga itself, um, match day 12 was on Friday night with Las Palmas recording a 2-1 home victory against Teto chasing Atletico Madrid. Huge result for them. High-flying Girona continued their uh, surge to the top of the league with a 4-2 away win at Osasuna. Top goal scorers in the league are Girona. Betis defeating Mallorca 2-0 to take them up to sixth place. And then further down on the, the Sunday, there was um, Real Madrid drew 0-0 at home to Rayo Vallecano. Barcelona, sorry, actually defeated Real Sociedad away 1-0 on the late game on Saturday night. And tonight it is Hitafe at home to Cadiz. League standings are, Girona are clear at the top by two points ahead of Real Madrid, who are further two points ahead of Barca. And down the bottom, Almeria, Granada and Celta Vigo uh, make up the relegation spots. Happy days. Marty, what's happening in Serie A? Uh, the latest results started on Friday with a 1-0 win for Bologna at home to Lazio. Lewis Ferguson getting the goal. He's making a real name for himself in Serie A, to be fair to him. Uh, Saturday, there were wins for Napoli at Salernitana, Inter at Atalanta, and Udinese beat AC Milan at San Siro. On Sunday, there were wins for Monza at Verona, Cagliari at home to Genoa, Roma left it late with two goals against Lecce and Juventus beat Fiorentina away 1-0. Uh, Let's stand in our top of the league. Two points out of Juventus. East Milan and Napoli make up the top four. And the bottom three is Verona, Empoli and Salernitano. That's your latest for Serie A above. Happy days. Before we move on, it's been quite a strange season so far. I mean, you've got a lot of the smaller teams at the top of the table with Girona and Spain. Tottenham in England and Inter in Italy. <laughs> Move on. Uh, and Leverkusen in Germany, but I'll let Shan take over that one's been happening in the Bundesliga, mate. Um, match day 10 started on Friday night. Um, Bochum defeating Darmstadt away 2 1 for a much needed three points. Union Berlin, um, Champions League participants this year just cannot get going in the league campaign. Another defeat at home, this time to Frankfurt, 3-0. Leaves them in the bottom three. Mainz recorded a really big 2-0 home win against Leipzig. Still in the bottom three, but clawing themselves towards some sort of safety. Like you said, Leverkusen continue their um, form with a 3-2 away win at Hoffenheim, which keeps them top of the table. And they are being hunted down by the monster that is Bayern Munich after they defeated Dortmund 4-0 in Dortmund in their Klassiker. Top of the tables, um, Leverkusen, two points ahead of Bayern, who are further five ahead of Stuttgart and Dortmund, who make up the top four. In the bottom three positions is Cologne, Mainz and Union Berlin, who make up the bottom two guaranteed relegation. And third place, third from the bottom, is in the playoff place just now, which is Union Berlin. What a fall from Greece from there, mate. It's tough, because eh, they've also not got the squad to balance Champions League football and also the league. But if you see the fans at the, the home games and the away games, they're giving them nothing but absolute praise because they're giving them stuff of dreams. 
yeah. to get them from like second division, like mediocrity, to Champions League and now playing at the Bernabeu against Real Madrid. I, the, the league campaign was always going to suffer, but I'd imagine that if they do find their form, they're not too far away from getting out of the bottom three. One win can take you up about four or five places. So if they got that and then built on it, and maybe when they go out of Europe, they can maybe start to focus on the league campaign and get themselves free. So I can imagine that with that kind of support behind you, it's not going to be too far from turning it around. You know what I mean? It's just on the cusp, but they're always going to be with you. It's not as if they're turned, they're not wanting the manager's head. It's just a case of just let's click. And once we do click, we'll be all right, I think. Eh? So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Happy days. Right. Um, we'll have a quick look at the, the big talking points this week. Now, just for a change, boys, we're going to have a wee chat about uh, VAR, um, Video Assistant Referee, just in case he's hardly heard of it before. Um, so we'll have a look north of the border um, with Hibsart versus Aberdeen in the first semi-final where the ball is put past the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper takes it out when it's on its way out and there's no penalty given. Now, sometimes this happens, sometimes it doesn't, but what makes it worse is the next day at Hamden, almost the exact replica happens with um, Xander Clark taking out Danilo, the Rangers player, and a penalty is given. Uh, what did you make of it, Marty? Uh, at the game, at the time, I didn't actually didn't actually think much about it because he didn't, wasn't really much of a... He didn't, he didn't think anything had happened. But when you see it on the TV later, you you got to think, why is VR not looking at that? Because he's touched away for the goalkeeper. Yeah, it's waiting for a goal kick, but the goalkeeper took him out. So that definitely should have been looked at. If it was looked at, it would have been given. Uh, and then obviously the next day is almost a similar thing with Danilo. He's, he's half going down already, but Clark dives in. It's, it probably is a penalty, but then that, that one's given. The Hibs one should have been given as well. So for me... Both positions were gave one to Rangers. You should have gave one to Hibs. So that's that is what it is. Unfortunately, it's one of those ones. And Johnson had one against Livingston a few weeks ago as well, where the ball was going out, and I think Gordon's touched him to say touch him. If there wasn't much in it, yeah, like he's gone down. There's just uh, that whole inconsistency thing again, isn't there? Yeah, that's yeah. that's my thing. To be fair, I think that if anyone remembers, we played Hibs played Aberdeen. Pataudry last season and Aberdeen got a penalty for Duke going down under a challenge from David Marshall again the ball he gets the ball first granted the contact with the actual man is like the palms of Marshall's hand going down towards the ground has clipped the lower shin stroke the boot of the player the ball's now been kicked out of play now in my mind Duke went down just as easily as Venter did on Saturday and Danilo did on Sunday but the consistency Mark like you said Bob is that it's not a case of I wouldn't be angry if Hibs got given one in so Rangers I also wouldn't be angry if Hibs got, didn't get given one in near Rangers it's the fact that it's a the discrepancy between both they're not too dissimilar in challenges in terms of the strikers got their first yes the contacts is there's enough to bring somebody down I'd imagine especially concerning the, the penalties we've seen given it's the it opens up this theory that Certain clubs not pointing any fingers west at all, but certain clubs get penalties that other clubs don't. And I'm not saying it's no sour grapes, it's just fact because you could go across every other team in the league apart from the two sisters through west and they'll all have the same argument. I'd argue that you look at the one, I don't know if you're going to mention it, but Stephen Kingsley was on a booking for Hearts 
and he gets brought down in the box. And the first thought by Nick Walsh was to give him a second yellow for diving. And it's only on review that he changes it and gives the penalty. Now, why is his first thought to be get, to to give a, a a second yellow for diving? Why is his first thought no be that's a penalty until I'm told otherwise? It's almost yeah. like they're clutching to give them a, an advantage straight away. Now, Stephen Kingsley doesn't come across to, to me as somebody that dives and cheats. He's a pretty honest pro. Plays for Hearts. So I'm never really going to. I'm never going to cheer him on. However, that's not a second yellow. And the fact that he had to had to be re-advised by the VR to give the penalty, as opposed to giving the penalty, then you know what if it's in debate, if it's in debate, then review it. And you can see Nick Walsh's face when he does give the penalty. His face is almost tripping him as if he didn't want to give it. It's just you can see why other fans from your St Johnstons to your Hibs to your Hearts to your Aberdeen to your Livingstons must just look and be like. This isn't quite fair on almost everyone else. Yeah. I think the advantage they've got already in monetary terms and what they can do, they don't really need a hand from the referees, do they? They don't, mate. And that's the bit that I think, that if you're one of those fans, as a Celtic fan or a Rangers fan, you don't see it and you don't care what, what about what any other club thinks and their grumbles and their complaints and their gripes. And you know what? If you're one of those fans, you're probably like, who cares what you think? We got a penalty. You didn't get it. That's just the tough breaks. But as soon as you go to Europe, without divulging too far away from our original conversation, but as soon as you go to Europe and the, you're now the small minnow against the big boy and you didn't get the penalties that you thought you should have got because, you know what, that's what it's like being the small fish. You didn't like it. Yeah. Like you said, like the, they're right in the middle of being too big for Scotland but far too small for Europe in terms of financial terms and in terms of just clout. Like, you know, and just like having that little bit like Man United always got uh, decisions at Old Trafford. Liverpool get them at Anfield all the time. Now it's like, Oh, now you know how it feels. So why did Kingsley get a second yellow first and foremost? That just baffled me. It was crazy. So you can go on forever, mate, but we'll we'll uh, we'll move on. We'll move on swiftly. We'll move down south. Um, we'll move to the Arsenal-Newcastle game, which finished 1-0 to Newcastle at St James's Park. A few contentious decisions within this game. Um, first one was Kai Havertz um, lunging in and being ridiculously late. I'm pretty sure it was on Joe Linton, wasn't it? Was it Linton or Longstaff? I think it was one of the two of them anyway. Yeah. Uh, and he catches them. Now, the referee books them. And the, ref, the VR don't really look at it for much time at all before agreeing with them. But there's been so many sendings off we've seen this season, which have been way, way further below the bar for Reckless. And I've received red cards. What Habers did? What did you guys make of that, Mario? I'll come to you with that one. Um, he does dive in. He's very late. It's almost like he was trying to make an impact on the player. Um, I'm not 100 percent convinced that's a red card. To be honest, I think it's a yellow. But it's maybe like the old, like you say, oh, it's an orange kind of in between a yellow and a red. I don't think it's a red. I think it's a yellow, and I think he's, he is a little bit fortunate because other referees might have sent him off. But for me, I, th- I think a yellow was correct there. But he was a, a little bit lucky. A little bit lucky, in my opinion. I think he was completely reckless. I think his leg was so high up. Studs yeah. were showing. Then he just went in at some pace. Because he'd just been... He'd been beaten in the air before. And I think he was a bit annoyed he didn't get a free kick. And it seemed to be a team to try and take revenge on it. Um, Sean, what did you make it? <laughs> um, <laughs> no, nah, I mean, I totally agree with you, Mark. That's a red card. He's, he's both feet are off the ground. The first one even comes in. He's lucky that he doesn't catch Longstaff, I think it is, flush, because he, he clips him across the shin. Shin pads, 
thank God they were on because you, you would have absolutely wiped him out. And the second leg that's completely off the ground as well, smash it. That just reeks of a person, like you said, Bob, that didn't get a, a decision previous to that tackle and has had a really, really bang average season. And that's frustration coming right to it. He's thought, I'm going to try and make a wee bit of an impact, get the fans up or get my teammates on side or whatever. That's a red card. All day, that's a red card. That's a terrible decision by VAR and not give a red card there. He is so late and so reckless, straight-legged. If Longstaff is a half a, I don't know, half a foot forward, he's taking him straight on the leg. That's a bad, bad injury. So, no, red card for me all day. Yeah. Uh, the next one, also another possible red card, was uh, Bruno Gemarias, um running past, I think it was Jorginho. Yeah. And he seems to put his elbow out to catch him in the back of the head. And he does catch him. Um, and again, the referee doesn't spot it and it doesn't really get looked at by V. I think it is looked at by VAR. But again, nothing happens. What did you make of that, Sean? I'll come to you first this time. That was a bit reckless, that one. That was a silly one. I found it strange, though, that the one he did actually get booked for was probably less of a yellow card than the one he actually committed. <laughs> the yellow yeah. card one on, on Fabio Vieira. Fabio Vieira's been doing like he's been shot and there's very next to very few contacts on his facial area. But the one with yeah. Jorginho, yeah, it was quite rash, the one in Jorginho. I didn't really understand what he was doing. I get that, like, he'll be absolutely pumped, the adrenaline pumping, and he's, he's he's got the fans on side. Everyone loves him there. But it was a kind of, if he'd, it wasn't like the point of the elbow, but it's definitely like the forearm to the, the back of the neck, shoulder area, and the back of the head. It was just felt a bit unnecessary. Yeah. I don't know if I would have sent him off for that. That didn't seem as... It wasn't like massively forceful, and it definitely wasn't the point of the elbow to cause any serious damage. But I, I think a yellow then would have changed his game, because then the second yellow would have would have been off. But I would say the first one was actually more yellow than the one he actually got yellow for. Yeah, Mari. Uh, the one on Jorginho. Uh, did he actually get booked for that? No, no. he got booked for the one on Fabio Vieira. Right. Well, the one on Jorginho for me. If you catch somebody in the back of someone's head with your forearm if he he I don't know what happened in the few seconds leading up to it. I don't know if he lost the ball or he missed a tackle or something but he ran after Jorginho and he has clobbered him in the back of the head with his forearm now, in most games if, I see, if you see something like that against somebody on your team you'd be shouting for something there I, I think he's I think he's a lucky boy to be honest a lucky not, lucky not to get red carded um, and the one on Vieira I think he'd already been booked by then when he'd done that no, that no was, he never got sent off. That was a yellow. That was a yellow. It was soft. That was, right, that so he, was got for, he got nothing for Jorginho and he was still on nothing when he'd done that thing to Vieira. No, he got a yellow for Vieira. He got a right, yellow so he for got Vieira. a yellow for that, right? Yeah. Okay. Right, so he, was, he had to be booked yet when he'd done that to Vieira, right? Okay. As I was saying, there should be the other way around. Um, there should be the first one. Was the one on Vieira, he's put his hand near his, the top of his chest and just pushed him over. There's nothing in that soft. for me. But the one on Jorginho is very lucky. He can't just go up and forearm somebody in the back of the head. But, he also kind of stuck somebody in the chin. And expect to get away with his ear, so can't both of That's what this pod's for, it's opinions, isn't it? So. That's exactly it, yeah. If we can't get it right, what's the chance VAR got? Exactly. We're also football experts, a lot of us. Um, and the last one in that game is probably the, the most important one, was um, the, the goal where the, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Joe Linton, maybe I think everyone was Joe Linton. Joe Linton. And it goes, it looks like it's going out for a goal kick almost. Um, it gets kept in, supposedly. They, I mean, some people say it crossed the line, some say it didn't. 
Um, but looks like he gets kept in, comes back in. The ball gets crossed in. Um, Joe Linton and Gabriel tussle for the ball. Uh, the ball then falls to Anthony Gordon, who then smashes it into the net for 1-0. Three areas here is, was the ball out? Was it a foul on Gabriel? And was Gordon offside? Uh, Shan, I'll let you dissect this and see what you what conclusion you come to. I would say that given the the camera kind of number of the quality and the quantity of cameras around the ground, obviously the ball wasn't out. Now it can overhang the line and that's why it, it looks like it's out because the angle that the camera was at obviously gives daylight between the ball and the line. If it was given as out, I don't think they could overturn it, but it, if it was in, which it looks like it would just overhang the line, that's no really that's quite factual. It was in it was in the park. Like Marty will say in a minute, if that one was given as in but Marcus Rashford, who did he score from the chance, Marty, or did he create a chance? I was one for Hoyland, yeah. He pulled it back and Hoyland scored. Yeah, and that was given us out when we were at the game at down at Old Trafford. That's a, again the consistency part is the bit that frustrates the fans the most. It's either out for both or in for both, and it wasn't he. And that's why fans get their back up. Um, if it's in, I'm unsure about the fill at the back post. Because the defender, as much as Joel Linton's got his hands completely extended straight into the back of the defender, the defender looks like he starts to go down and throw his feet away from him before he actually has much contact. If it was given as a foul, believe me, it wouldn't be questioned by anybody. But it looks more like a foul than it, than it does the opposite. So I would, if I'm Arsenal, I'm raging that it's not being given. But their like their antics in terms of releasing statements and that afterwards are just pathetic. So um, I'd say ball in from the cross, foul at the back post, no goal, probably. Uh, Marty, uh, was the ball at play? In my opinion, it was, but that's just my opinion. Uh, was it a foul on Gabriel? Yep, for me it was. He's got his two hands on the back of his neck. And he's pushing him. He's pushing him down. It's a foul for me. Uh, stops Gabriel for heading the ball. And the third one is offside. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. No, the offside so, is not going to be a thing that, because that, it, no, the it should have been was... a foul. Should, the ball should have been. It should have been whistle blown for the ball being out in the first place. I kind of am not sure, but if you looked at it, it looks out to me. And the, the it should have been a foul on Gabriel. So Anthony Gordon should never have had the chance to score anyway. So the offside doesn't matter for me. It's a foul. I mean, I'm I'm looking at this thinking, what have Newcastle done to you, Marty? And then I remember they pumped you at the weekend, didn't you? Before in the cup, the cups, the league cup. I don't know. <laughs> I've got a poor memory. I can't remember. <laughs> I think that in terms of the ball being out, I think if you're having a look at it and you're taking a long time to look over it, and there's no, you can't conclusively say whether it was over or not. You're not going to get that unless you get a bird's eye view of it. Yes. Which to have that around the stadium would be, I think completely uneconomical and a waste of time for the one or two decisions you might get. Yep. Or is going to start looking at throw-ins and whether a ball's going out for a throw-in or not. Yep. I think it just gets a bit ridiculous. Yep. So I think you have to go with the original on-field decision um, if there's any discussion about it, debate about it as to what's happened and you can't properly check um, as far as the, the ball into the box goes, I think Gabriel almost goes down, ducks like he's going to try and head it back the way or head it up in the air. Um, uh, but again, as Shan says, if that had been given as a free kick, nobody would have been an eyelid. But I still think that, I don't know. 
And as far as the offside goes, it's the lesser of the three evils, isn't it? If it was offside or not. But, yeah. Um, aye, it was a bit of a strange one, but as as Shan says, I completely agree with you. All these teams coming out and releasing statements, writing letters to the authorities in terms of how badly they've been dealt. These are one-off situations. Now, I know it might cost you something long-term, but the amount of decisions that these big teams have had in their favours, and I'm not even talking like historically, probably over the last few years, with VR being there as well, that they've they've managed to get on the right side of. Um, I think that it's just annoying all these statements and trying to force referees to then go more lenient on you in the future. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's, it's just pressure, right? Just, it's just building pressure. Pressure, exactly. Right, um, we look at managerial, not, not really managerial merry-go-round, because it's just one person that's really jumped on recently. St. Johnson obviously sacked Stephen McLean last week, and they have now hired Craig Levine, with Andy Kirk coming in as his assistant. Um, what did you boys make, before I give you my expert opinion on this, uh, what did you boys make of the appointment? Obviously, Hibs fans were an ex-Hearts manager. This is all going to be positive, I'm guessing. Um, when Sir Johnson got rid of McLean last week, if you had said to me that almost a week later that Craig Levine would be Sir Johnson's new manager, I probably would have laughed at you. But uh, he was the one name I thought would never, ever be on that list. Um, but, but he was at the game during the week, so that was kind of a telltale sign. I, I think then he was already in place for it, so... It's not a guy I would have went for. If I was a Johnson fan, I would never have went for him. But I can maybe see why. He will make it tighter for you. He'll not concede many goals. He will probably be a bit more boring. Well, he's more boring than you are now. Uh, um, ah, I can see it from uh, different points of view, but your view is probably better above because you're a Johnson fan. So there you go. It wouldn't be my choice. <laughs> Shan, do you got any opinion on it? Mm. It'll make you harder to beat. I mean, his Hearts teams, as much as they were pretty boring, they were never really, never really got battered of that. I think, like, if you're in a relegation dogfight, you kind of want to at least get a platform of let's not get beat, right? It might make it ugly, it might be mucking nettles, it might be kind of poor to watch. But if you didn't go down, that's not a success. At the minute, you're looking, even though the win midweek, was it midweek? Aye. Um, was huge. It's, it, it's still, a, it's still, not looking particularly rosy. So if you don't go down on the basis of Levine made you play ugly football, anyone's going to care. I mean, the, my only worry is he's been at the game for that long. Now, folk will be like, oh, well, football doesn't change, but his he's been away for a long time. He's no younger. Does he? I'm not saying he doesn't know the players and doesn't know the game. That's not what I'm saying. But like, football's moved on a little bit. Is it his methods and his thought processes and his tactics still going to be relevant to getting a team from the bottom of the table to safety, I, I don't know. That's going to be either a, a tremendous success and you're going to start with a win on uh, Tuesday or within six to ten weeks, you're further adrift at the bottom. I, it could go either way. could go either yeah. way. My thinking behind it is, again, it probably wouldn't be my first choice. Uh, looking at it from a, a logical point of view, He's a very experienced manager. Now, we went with Steve McLean, 
who's very inexperienced, first job, hadn't really been a coach for very long when he got given the, the role as manager, and it didn't work out for us. Yeah. So I think getting in an actual manager um, <clears throat> with the amount of experience that Levine's got, managing at Hearts, Leicester, Scotland, Dundee United, yep. he's, he's certainly got the, the experience. Um, the one worry, again, is that, as you said, he's been away from the game for a bit, a bit like Sam Allardyce going in yep. at Leeds last season, where you think he's just going to go in and do his usual miracle stuff, but the game's moved on and his team's got pulled apart too easily. Yeah. Now, this is where I'm kind of glad he's bringing someone young who's a, quite a progressive manager with Andy Kirk. Now, don't get me wrong, there's a, a big step up from managing Brecon City in the Highland League to St. Johnson in the Premier League. But I think in terms of the way Brecon played, Levine in his uh, press conferences when he got appointed was saying that Kirk's going to be looking after a lot of the football side of stuff, the coaching side of stuff and the tactic side of stuff. He's going to be running everything else. So that mixture, I'm hoping it's going to work well. Um, but yeah, as almost every appointment... It's going to go one of two ways. Yeah, uh, but I think we've got we're only we're only three points behind Livingston and Ross County now. If we can get a win on Tuesday against Motherwell, then that puts us possibly above both of them. Of course, that's that's the that's the thing. If you get a result straight off the board, it looks a lot rosier than if you got pumped. And then yeah. people around you picked up points. It would just create a gap, and then you're already under a little bit of pressure. So yeah, it's, it's good to start on a at least a non-defeat to be very at the very least. Uh, so I think with his first five six games, if he's rain, he has to put a marker down. Yeah, he has to show the Johnson fans what he's going to what you're going to expect in each game. And I, I've known him as in the way he has been with Dungeon United and Hearts and with Scotland. Obviously, he will make the Johnson pretty hard to beat. I think he'll be very solid. It might take away more of your attacking style, but attacking ways of trying scoring goals. That's fucking what mate. It will, it will make them more solid at the back. That's a guarantee. Yeah, hard to beat, but hard to watch for as well. Probably, yeah. aye. But then if you get results out of it... Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So it's going to be key to the first four to six weeks. You're going to see what... Ah, it's a massive. So. Huge. I'm going to say success. I reckon it'll be a success, but we'll, we'll wait and see. Right. Well, uh, how about we look ahead to the games coming up this week? Um, in Scotland on Tuesday night, we have St Johnston at home to Motherwell, as we've just been talking about. And Wednesday sees Hibs travelling to St Mirren. Uh, Saturday, we have Dundee home to St Mirren. Hibs are home to Kilmarnock. Hearts travel to Motherwell. And St Johnston are home to Ross County. The Sunday has a further two games with Livingston at home to Rangers and Celtic at home to Aberdeen. In the Premier League... We have the game tonight, which is between Tottenham and Chelsea. Then we, on Saturday, we have Wolves at home to Tottenham, Arsenal at home to Burnley, Everton travel to Crystal Palace, it's Man United at home to Luton, and Newcastle travel to Bournemouth in the evening kickoff. The Sunday sees Aston Villa at home to Fulham, Sheffield United travel to the Amex to play Brighton, Liverpool are at home to Brentford. West Ham host Nottingham Forest, and the half past four kickoff sees Chelsea at home to Man City. Uh, some decent games in there, guys. Got a couple of highlights each. 
Um, Hibs away to St Mirren on Wednesday. That's a tough game for Hibs. Have to have to bounce back after a disappointment on Saturday. Uh, weekend. Um, who's the Johnson got on Saturday, Bob? Ross County at home. That's two home games this week. If they can win both of them, that yeah. would make a make a good start for them. It's against teams they can beat. Yeah, they've proved that already. Uh, well, in the past, so um, down south, uh, Wolf, uh, Tottenham can keep if they win the night and then get a result on Saturday, then it just continues their momentum. Um, my eight home to Luton. That's the game might have to win. That's the kind of games they have to win, but they've not been winning lately. But um, uh, no, that's quite a few good Chelsea Man City. It's always an interesting game. Um, big test for Chelsea, but I think City will probably win that game. Apart from that, just the usuals, yep. Yeah. Shan? Um, yeah, a couple of decent games, but I think there's nothing that stands out as elite above the rest of them. I think Chelsea Man City will be pretty decent, but in terms of clutch games, I think you said St Johnston have got a real good chance to get two. If you got four points, even, or even, I don't know, I don't think three would be great. I think you'd kind of want a year four or six, ideally. But don't get me wrong, if you, if you picked up a point again home to Motherwell tomorrow, and then didn't get beat to Ross County, depending on the circumstances. It probably wouldn't be seen as a horrendous kind of start for Levine. So, yeah, maybe not glamorous, but definitely clutch. Yeah. Right, well, that's us bringing us towards the, the end of the podcast. Um, we've just got play, uh, performance of the week to go. Uh, Shan, you missed last week, so I'll let you go first this week. Who's your uh, performance of the week? Um, I'm going to go for Jeremy Doku for Man City. Easy option, Bournemouth at home, but gets four assists and a goal. Somebody that's just came into the league in the summer has really took it by storm. He's fast, he's very, very strong, got a trick in him. It looks like he knows where the back of the goal is. Even Haaland is feeding off what he's feeding, uh, what he's putting across the goals and stuff. Eh? He's no selfish, he's very much a case of, like, I'll do what I can and get the, the ball into the boys who score the goals. So, big performance for him, so he gets my vote. Cool. Marty? My performance of the week is Sheffield United. They've had a really tough start to the season. Really, really tough. Uh, and the relief to get their first win um, on Saturday must have been huge for them. So, uh, fair play to them for cracking on and getting on, getting getting the win. So, I don't think it'll amount to anything, but uh, the relief for them to get their first three points of the season uh, must have been big for them. So, I'll, I'll give my performance of the week to Sheffield United. Happy days. Uh, my performance of the week, I'm going to give it to Luton. Uh, I think the, the, when they came up to the league, nobody expected much of them. Now, they've been pretty dogged to beat. They've not really been smashed by anyone properly yet. Um, and I think playing against Liverpool, what were they, two and a half minutes away from beating Liverpool, uh, Klopp came out after the game saying a draw was probably a fair result. And it probably was. But I think for a team the size of Luton, to almost beat Liverpool um, was pretty good. I think they put in some amount of shift defensively, yeah. and they had a few chances themselves. So yeah, it was a, a pretty good performance. It'll give them confidence going forward, knowing that they can hold their own, especially at home. It might if, if you find three teams that are worse than you, you don't have to be amazing to stay up. You just need to be consistent and getting points when you need to get them. Eh? So yeah, that's it. We're struggling, struggling not to give that to Nicky Clark this week, but of course he's stand out here. Yeah. <laughs> right boys well thank you very much for your time that brings the pod to an end um, I'll see you the rest of the week or next week boys see you later take care guys see you, see you. Bye. See you. bye